Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Today, I don't really, I'm not boxed in by like a, a message series. So we're coming out of Overflow which has been super fun to talk um, spiritual fruit and Galatians five is where we've been, but I'm not, I don't, we on the calendar, we left this date open on purpose and uh, I feel so free. I could just kind of say whatever, but um, it doesn't have to match a graphic or any of that song. I could just say whatever right now, but well, I want to speak to the greatest felt need that I feel like we have as a church in this season and um, where we've had a lot of a growth and a lot of new families, a lot of new people lean into the life of our church in this season um, I want to talk about us becoming a church family. And so moving from experiencing something on a Sunday and, and gathering big, which is amazing, to being known, really fully known, fully loved, having people walk alongside of you and, and share all, all the things, share life and faith and the highs and the lows. And you need a church family. If you've never had a church family, you don't know what I'm referring to. If you grew up like I did in a church family, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And and even as we grow and scale and reach new people, I promise you, we can go wide, but we can also go deep, deep and wide, if you remember that song from back in the day. Okay, so um, everything in this life that we experience, you know this, is awesome because of the experience that we have with others. So anything that you and I experience, the thing that just makes it fun, makes it hit, makes it fulfilling, are the people that are attached to the experiences that we have and the Bible tells us that we can't be who God wants us to be without others in our life. There's no biblical precedent for following Jesus in isolation. I can't become who God wants me to become by myself. I need you. Matter of fact, look at the person sitting next to you. Say, I need you. I need you. Turn to your second choice. The person on the other side of you say, I need you too. Hopefully it's not your spouse. That's always awkward when you. So, but the, the whole idea is that we're not built for as much as we want to believe we are. Much as broader culture tells us this, or the American dream is kind of attached to independence, uh, and there's some element of that where it just kind of drives our focus on my, my agenda, my family, my calendar, this is my house, this is my money, this is my yard, this is my, and we're kind of me, myself, and I mindset, where biblically all we see is just God speaking to a people, and, and, and moving in and through a people. And yes, he works through individuals. And yes, he's going to do a great work on the inside of you as a person so he can do one through you. But corporately, like what God's about is just building his kingdom and his church. And so the cool thing is, is if we, if we get our focus off of ourselves and onto others, then um, we come alive and we're fulfilled in ways that we never were when we were just focused on our own thing. And our whole vision as a church, really one of the values that we have is together is better. You'll hear me say that from time to time. You'll see signage that says that. And it's not something that we came up with from day one. Matter of fact, Genesis chapter two, all the way back at the beginning, God created everything, said it's good. God created mankind and said, man, it's very good. He said, here's the problem though. We're missing something. And, and it's that they're alone. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be in isolation. It's not good for you to be by yourself. And that's not even about, that's not even a message on marriage or some of you are single. You're like, I see everywhere I go. It's like, no, it's not even about that. It's about, you need a spiritual family. You need people to roll with you. This is Romans 12, four through five. It says, just as each of us has one body, that's that word, the word for soma. The reason why we say soma is a Greek word for the body. 
Even, even though um, we have one body with many members, each of these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, though many members, we're one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So not only, the Bible tells us, not only do I belong to Jesus, but I belong to you. You belong to me. And we're supposed to do this thing together. And so um, you are my sister in Christ. You are my brother in Christ. And we're made for each other, to encourage each other, to equip each other, to empower each other, to help each other become who it is that God wants us to become so that we can have maximum impact. But we got to do it together. And so there's five reasons today, if you're taking notes, five reasons why you need each other. And again, I'm, I'm throw plenty of scripture at you, but five reasons. The first one is I need others to walk with me. Bible talks a lot about our spiritual journey being a walk. As a matter of fact, we're coming out of a series in Galatians 5 where Paul says, hey, keep in step with the Spirit. As you follow Jesus, just make sure you're keeping in step with the Spirit. There's that phrasing again. But the Bible says, hey, we're supposed to walk. Walk in love. Walk in truth. Walk in the light. Walk in joy. There's all these phrasings speaking to the fact that our, our following Jesus, our faith journey, uh, is about walking it out. In Colossians 2, 6 through 7, it says, just as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord. So walk in him. And so, and as we walk, you're just not, it was never intended that you would walk alone, but you're walking with a group of people. And so, um, here's three benefits for walking with others as you follow Jesus. Again, this is God's design. The first is that it's safer. It's safer. And, and you know this just because there's just safety and there's security in numbers, um, Statistics, and this is kind of a sober angle on it, but statistics are that more people are mugged, more people are beaten up, more people are murdered, more people. Basically, if there's people walking around by themselves in isolation, alone, um, in kind of sketchy areas, that's when they get picked off, right? But if you're with a group of people, there's security and there's safety in that. I don't know if you've ever seen, if you watch nature shows, I love nature shows, I'm all about that. And so, like, you got, the, you got the cheetah and you got like a pack of gazelles, and cheetah's like just watching them and just waiting he's just waiting and he's like one of y'all one of y'all be a little slow you know what i mean just one of y'all just hang out and i got you right and just uh and and i don't know what's sad but a little baby gazelle or somebody somebody old or something you know like somebody's just left behind and then cheetah's like i got you and it's just and and runs after him and it's slow-mo david attenberg like a british accent everything's better with a british accent and then and then cheetah's boom and you're gone because you're in isolation and because you're alone, same thing's true for us spiritually is what the Bible tells us. If I'm going to become who Christ wants me to become, I can't do it without you. I got to do it in community. And it's safer if I do it, if we do it together. And, and it even just feels safer, right? It just feels safer. This, I believe this is the reason why women go to the bathroom together. I believe, I, for real, I believe this is like in dating season of life, the reason why guys want like a buddy or something. Like, I need a wingman. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I like... I don't have the words. I don't have any game. I need a wingman. Come roll with me. This is the reason why, uh, I believe this is the reason why, like, Brooke, when she, um, she like, when her or I are gone, uh, it just feels weird for those of you that have been, like, if you've lived with people for a long time and then all of a sudden your spouse is gone or somebody that you're living with is gone, uh, it just is weird, right? It just is like, oh, it's just unsettling to just be in a house by yourself. And it's, but if you have, it's, what's crazy is if my kids are home, it, it's like somehow it feels safe. It's like even if you have like a five-year-old, like nobody's going to, they're not going to defend you. You know what I mean? But like it doesn't matter. It just feels, it just hits different. It's like, okay, we're good. 
My five-year-old's here. And so it's, it feels safer. It's supportive. So if I need to walk with others, I need others to walk with me because it's safer. Also, it's supportive. And it's like working out in a group versus working out by yourself for people who have any history with working out. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you've ever worked out by yourself, there's not much resolve there. It's like not much accountability. You're like, I only did seven reps and no one knows, right? So if you're working out in a group, it's like you're just, you know, pushing each other. Somebody's like, one more, one more, you know what I mean? It's like if you've ever played a sport, you've ever been in athletics, it's that moment where you're doing two-a-days or whatever grind, some kind of practice, and you're looking at each other like, are we still going to keep, are we going to keep going? Okay, cool, we're going to keep going. Like, but we're doing it together. And, and that's the whole idea is that it's supportive. You're going to do things in a group that you're not going to do in your own strength. And so there's an African proverb. You've probably heard it. But if you want to run fast, you run alone. And if you want to run far, you run together. And it's this whole idea of, okay, I, I want to run far. I want to finish my race. I want to keep my eyes set on Jesus. I want, I want to be spiritually who God's called me to be. The only way to get there is in community. It's also smarter. So it's safe, right? It's supportive, and it's also smarter to, to run in a pack, to run with a group of people. And because if, if you're like me, uh, the majority of what I've learned, I've learned from watching others, being led by others, hearing the stories of others. Other people have allowed, like for me to become who I am and everything that I've learned, whether we're talking about life skills, academics, Anything spiritually, anything is because of others. This is Proverbs 28, verse 26. And I love Eugene Peterson, the way he phrases this in the message. If you think you know it all, you are a fool for sure. Real survivors learn wisdom from others. And so uh, if you're walking alone, if you're in a season and you're walking alone, you feel isolated, it might be because you're walk, walking in the wrong direction. <laughs> and, and you need some people around you to help you. And to keep you going the way that God wants you to go. And, and so one of the things that we learn, one of the key things that we learn as we're, as we're following Jesus in a group and with a community of people is we learn how to love people. Because you just kind of have to. Like, it's just, it's like people, it's like, oh, I got to figure out how to talk to them. And I got to deal with that emotional component of who they are. And I got like, you know, I got to figure out. It's, and it's not unlike, I mean, he uses this metaphor of walking and basically, everybody walks at a different speed. I don't know if you people watch like I watch, people watch. Everybody walks at a different speed. Everybody has a different gait. So some people don't move their arms very much. It's kind of weird. Some people move their arms too much. You know what I mean? Some people lean in a little more. And so, but everybody, everybody has a different walk. And the idea is if I'm going to walk with you, I've either got to speed up or slow down. Brooke and I, Brooke's a fast walker. She's always about four foot in front of me, which I'm like, girl, walk beside me. She's like, I'm just trying to get you... To, to walk faster. But this idea is like compromise. It requires us walking together requires that compromise and, and it teaches us how to love and serve one another. And so Genesis two 18, we've already referenced it, but it shows us that God hates loneliness. Again, it's not good for you to be alone is what he tells us. And so what he does, the antidote for us not being alone, he gives us two. One's a physical family. And then one is a spiritual family in scripture. He starts off with the physical family, which is great. And then he begins to build his, his spiritual family uh, in Abraham and moving forward. But a physical family is one of the ways that God addresses loneliness. So mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, kids, all of that, biological family, right? And, and just your physical family who, who lives with you, who's around you. But the reality is, is over time that can change. 
kids can grow up, move away. You know, you got maybe uncle got divorced and so, so somebody that used to come to the family gathering no longer comes to the family gathering. Somebody passed away. Physical family landscape shifts. What the Bible teaches us about a spiritual family is I have a, in Christ, I have a spiritual family in the church that just lasts into eternity. And it doesn't mean that like my local expression won't dissolve. Many of you are, are part of church hurt or burn or something like that. But it's like in Jesus, as a Christ follower, I can go anywhere and find a brother and sister in Christ because it's the thing that he promises to build. And my experience, I don't know about yours, is I usually spend more time with spiritual family than I do physical family. So it's so important, right? This is, this is the antidote for loneliness. This is one of the things that God has for us uh, in, in our isolation. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's both a challenge and a comfort from the writer of Hebrews. The church is God's safety net for you. The church is a place for you to belong. You, you need a place to belong and you need, you need a place where people know you by name. You need a place to, to call family. And, and so, uh, and, and he tells us in Hebrews 10, you and I have a decision, a part to play in this becoming of a family is that we just don't neglect gathering. And again, the book of Acts tells us gather big temple courts, gather house to house, gather small, because as we grow as a church, the needs grow more than ever before. We have more needs than ever before. People who are in the hospital, people who are, who are struggling, people who are going through relationship problems, people who are going financial issues, like all kinds of things I know are in our church family right now. And the way that we're going to carry that is God equips his church and he gives us spiritual gifts and he gives us a call and he gives us a purpose to collectively carry what we can't carry in isolation, what any one of us or even a handful of us can't carry, many of us can. And so have you ever had a day, and maybe it was today, where you wake up on a Sunday and you're like, I don't really, I don't really want to go, bro. You know what I mean? Like it's cold and it's raining. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I could just like cash it in. I could just be like, I got to get my, I got to get my meal together about what, you know, like whatever. Uh, but there's been days for me now, Sunday's like my favorite day, but there have been days where if me, even I'm preaching, I'm giving a message where I'm like, I don't really want to. And, but what happens, what happens is, um, when I come and I lean in and I do the thing, even, even if I don't want to do it, push the feelings to the side, do the thing that I'm called to do and be about uh, as I worship, as I pray, as I get reminded of God's word and what his message is for me, as I get encouraged by, by you and people in our church family coming up, hugging me, hey, been praying for you this week. Here's what's been going on in my life, whatever. Like it just hits. It, it, by the end of the day, what happens is, the thing that I was trying to avoid is exactly what I needed. And so many of us are in that space when it comes to other people. I don't really want to deal with other people. I just want to sit. I just want to watch. I just want to watch 14 episodes of this thing I want to watch. I don't really want to go to group. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to like, whatever your thing is, I just really want like, oh, I don't want to have to people right now. But what happens a lot of times is when I'm around believers and I'm around church family, big or small, I get encouraged and I get reminded um, of what God has for me and the discouragement that I had and the fatigue that I had and the loneliness that I had, it begins to fade as we gather. So community is God's answer to loneliness. It's his answer to loneliness. And, and we can't become, again, you can't become who God wants you to become by yourself. You need someone to have, 
your back. You, you need somebody else's gifts, somebody else's perspective, somebody else's same, a different angle on that same passage that you've read the same way for 10 years and their life experience is different. So they're reading it a little bit different. It hits different. You need each other's prayers and support. You need somebody to care and connect and grow with you. And groups is the vehicle that we have as a church. This is Ephesians four sixteen. from him, the whole body. Again, we're talking about, um, the church. And so Paul says the whole body Soma joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And if you read that passage, like I have historically, you're thinking of work in terms of, okay, there's like a thing I have to do. And that's true. God created you. We're going to talk about that. But also um, there are people that you can reach that nobody else in this room can reach. And, and, and your connection to the body of Christ is because someone else connected you to the body of Christ. Uh, I mean, unless you like self-connected, let me know. But there's there, like there's somebody who prayed for you, somebody who interceded, somebody who brought you to church, someone who introduced you to Christ, someone who shared the gospel, someone who gave you a Bible, someone who there's somebody else who connected you to the body. And, and he's, he's using this metaphor to say, hey, there's ligaments and there's. There's muscle matter and there's bones and there's everything kind of connecting the next part to the next part to the next part. And, and the way we get down here is all this and it all matters. You got to you got to you got to work together in unity to reach and serve more people. And so God's community, his community is his answer to the loneliness and the isolation that we experience. The whole body joined and held together. Everyone has a part to play and someone else's connection to Christ is you. That's what he's saying. So let that sink in for a minute. Who do I walk by every single day that I, I'm the vehicle. I'm what God wants to use in order to connect them to the body of Christ. And so they, they're in isolation. They're lonely. They desperately need what God has to offer. And so here's the next benefit. The whole, uh, the next benefit is that I need others to work with me. So I need them. I need them to walk with me, but I need them to work with me. And so the Bible tells us that God has a specific assignment for your life. That God has purposed you before you were even born. This is what it says in Ephesians 2.10. We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you were even born, God has a call and a purpose on your life, which frees me up. It's exciting to me, and I hope it's exciting to you. I don't have to make a purpose up. I just have to discover mine. Like he already has one and, and he uses my passions and he uses my lived experience and he uses even my pain and he uses my gifts, the things I've been affirmed at from a young age. What's so crazy? Like we have five kids. They're also, they're so different and their strengths are different and their passions and their gifts are so different. You know, if you have kids of multiples, it's like one kid can sing, one kid's like, oh, make a joyful noise. You know what I mean? Like, and one kid, one kid's a good artist and one kid's a good dancer. One kid's good at this. It's like all of us have different gifts. And the idea is you're not going to be good at everything. And the reason why you're not good at everything is because you need each other. Right? And so this is, this is what he's telling us in this passage of Scripture. Hey, you got to work together. You got to function together. And, and you got to discover the purpose, the assignment that God has for your life so you can be a part of this collective movement. Something so much bigger. The, the whole, the one, the body of Christ so much bigger than the part that we play, and yet the part that you play is super important. It's super important. Um, so uh, tonight is the Super Bowl, and, and the team that's going to win tonight is the team that has real clarity around their assignments, uh, 
and that executes their assignments. Football is a great illustration because it's the ultimate team sport. You have wide receivers that run like a 4 3 40 who, who have to run routes and who have to have great hands and who have to know kind of where linebackers and safeties are lined up. And you have quarterbacks who have to see the field and just kind of have a mental playbook and be able to pull audibles if they need to. And you have running backs who have lateral mute movement and just kind of vision and just kind of like a physical thing. They just have to have endurance. And then you have uh, linebackers who are just after. You have defensive ends who are pushing in on tackles. Everybody has an assignment. And it's like, don't fumble, right? Don't miss that tackle. Don't miss that block. Like, keep whatever your assignment is, stay fixed on your assignment. And everybody focus. Here's the clarity. And then if we, if we execute on the things that we're supposed to execute, we win. Championship teams are not centered around, we know this. Oh, my goodness, we know this. Are not centered around, like, the best player in the league. They might have the best player in the league, but they're a great team. And you're not going to win just because you have some star power or somebody with good numbers. You're going to win if you operate as a team and you execute on the things that you're supposed to collectively. And so together as a church, this is how we roll, is we do everything that God's called us to do, again, not in isolation, not with the, not with the gifts of a few, but the sacrifices of many, is what builds the body of Christ, is what builds the kingdom of God, is what grows the local church. And so... For example, last couple of years, starting, uh, well, in March sometime, it'll be two years, but we've grown by a church of like 375%. And people, people in church world, friends and just kind of leaders, people who I look up to, they're just like, what do you credit that with? Like, what's going on? And the first answer is like, well, God, we're just trying to like not ruin a thing. We're trying not to run it in the ground. Like he's doing a really cool thing. But the, the second answer is, People have clarity of vision. People are excited about the vision. People feel like they can attach themselves to it. And then people are actually executing their portion. So there's, there's an assignment that people go, I got that. I got that. I got that. I got that. 420-some Dream Team members uh, is, is what makes everything that we do as a church. Night to shine. We had night to shine on Friday night. It was an army of Dream Team holding down night to shine. Everything we do on Sundays, everything we do from outreach, everything we do Midweek, everything we do as a church is held together by people who know their assignment. And again, they're working things out together. And so it's families like yours, people like you, who've come to desire for God to do a great thing in their lives and through their lives, who desire better relationships, more fulfillment, who want to make a difference. And they say, it's worth my time, my energy, my investment. And, and it's, God is worthy of my worship for me, to, for me to prioritize him and come on a day where it's raining and cold and 30 to 30 mile an hour winds and like nasty super like, but you're leaning in because you're excited about what God wants to do in your life. And I'm telling you, there's so many, if you're excited about it, everybody you meet desires it, whether they know it or not, they desire a relationship with Jesus. They desire to be delivered from the things they've always held on to and tried to manage in their own strength, but they can't, they desire to, they desire purpose, but they don't know it. They got to discover it. And they desire to be a part of something bigger than themselves, this collective effort, this desire that God that does in and through us. And so I know some of you are tired. Some of you are exhausted from life and relationships and responsibilities and an overpacked schedule. And if you're tired and exhausted, it might be because you have no one helping you. So you're trying to do in your own strength what was never meant to be done in your own strength. You need a people. You need a group. You need a family. Community is God's answer to fatigue. So you need a group of people who are going to help you carry what you can't in your own strength. And somebody needs that from you. 
So overwhelmingly, sometimes we get to this place. We're only focused on what other people can offer us when really, when we're healthy, we need to be focused on what we can offer to other people. So people are like, how do I build relationships? How do I have friends? You be a good friend. Right. And it's like, it's so like, how do, how do I do that better? I just serve and love people while I can so that when I'm at a broken place and when I'm at a spot where I need some people to rally in my life, the same people that I showed up, everybody shows up. And it's the idea is that we're doing it together and, and we're doing it as a group. Community is God's answer to fatigue. This is Galatians six ten. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Do good to everybody. Not just some, not just everybody. But it says this, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Yeah, bless everybody, be good to everybody, but you especially be good to your church family, your brother and sister in Christ. Why? Because it preaches a great message to people. They're paying attention. And so the idea is I got to walk. I need others to walk with me. I need others to work with me. I need others to watch out for me. This is what groups, this is what people are for. This is what a group of people is for who love Jesus and who love me. I need people who have my six, who can help me to see some things that I can't see. I have blind spots. You have blind spots. If you've ever had that moment where somebody pulls up to you and they're like, hey, your taillight's out. Hey, your, your zipper, your zipper's down, my man. You guys, you guys, you'll say. My family loves to tell me when I have something in my teeth. We're out at a restaurant. I'm smiling real big. They're like, if I have this repeat offender, I have this one tooth that just grabs everything. So it's like always this one tooth. Um, but here, I mean, we need people to help us see what we can't see. This is Philippians 2, 3 through 4. In humility, value others above yourselves. Serve the people around you. Not looking for your own interests, but to each of you the interests of the others. It's just, and humility is a key ingredient in all this. In, in helping people to see what they can't see. You got to be, you got to have a humble approach. I'm going to listen to you a lot more if I feel like you're, you're for me. If you have my best interest at heart, if you love me, if you're humble and, and you're not judgmental or you're not condemning or any of those things, but you're coming at me and you're like, Hey, I just think like you said you wanted to be this and like all this doesn't really add up. I don't understand why you're acting crazy. Here's what the Bible says. You know what I mean? Like just help me see what I can't see. And so uh, we dedicate so much headspace, so much time, so much energy for people to watch our stuff. Like if you think about if you go on vacation, you're like, I got You ask a friend or a family member or a neighbor. You're like, hey, will you watch my house while I'm gone? Hey, will you water our plants? Hey, will you walk our dog? Hey, where are we going to put the dog? Where are we going to put the you have like you have doorbells that have video cameras on them. Some of you have a small arsenal to protect you and yours. You know what I mean? If you go out and we're out in public sometimes. And maybe you're at, you know, you're studying or you're at a uh, coffee shop or you're somewhere where you have your stuff and you're sitting down and you're working or whatever. And then you got to go use the restroom and then you go to use the restroom and you decide, I need somebody to watch. I need somebody to watch this. And so who am I going to trust? This person that I've been sitting next to for 15 minutes. I don't know who they are, but now all of a sudden I'm going to like, hey, will you watch my stuff while I go to the restroom? Right. And that's what we do. We, we spend so much headspace on people watching over our stuff. Here's a great question. Who's watching over your soul? When's the last time you looked at someone and said, hey, will you help me see what I can't see when it comes to life and faith and when it comes to following Jesus? You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We need each other. There's nobody who's arrived. And the reason why we have to follow him in community is because I always have a blind spot. 
Always. Always. You're like, well, you're real, real, you know, you, you could be real mature. You can. You still have a blind spot. You still have things you got to grow in and you need other people to help you do that. And so the other day, I love it because Brooke was telling, we were talking through this and she was telling me about this friend of hers uh, who the first, like one of the first few times that they met, this friend was talking and Brooke was like, I can't keep talking to this girl. She had, and so she looks over and she flicks this thing off her nose and the girl was like, what was that? She was like, it was a booger. You were just talking to me for like three minutes and I just could like I had to help you out. And the girl looked at her and she was like, I knew we would be close. Like she, but she was so endeared by this moment. Like, you're not gonna let me walk around with a booger, uh, you know, on my face and just, and, and then like for us the other day, we're in this season where my wife shares clothes with our older daughters. And so uh, Brooke had on Anna's pants. She had on these yoga pants. She's walking out the door and Natalie says, mom, hold, hold up. And, and she's like, come here. She looks and there's like a hole in the rear end of these, these pants. And, and, you know, just, you know, we're walking around hickory, like stuff hanging out. She's like, mom, I think you need to change, you know. But, and so it, so it can be humbling when your kids call you out on some things. But, but how much more humbling to walk around with a hole, right? You know what I mean? So that's what we need spiritually. We need that spiritually. And some of us are blind to the things that we're blind to. And, and, and you have a blind spot. There's some people, you need to invite people into the, one of the best things that you can do for your spiritual formation to come and become more like Christ is invite people that you trust who love Jesus and love you. And, and just to say, hey, would you just have my back? Can you just watch out? Can you just like when I say a thing or if I'm going in a direction or if you could just tell like I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in these ways, we just have my back and bring some level of accountability, some level of like care to my soul. We, we spend so much headspace on our stuff. Hey, who, who has our back? Who, who has our soul? First Peter five, eight, nine says, be alert and of sober mind you that your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour back to that nature reference that nature right yeah so resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings i love it because it's such a great reminder it's like be alert be sober and part of that is invite some people to help you see what you can't see because you have an enemy and i have an enemy and the enemy in your life is not your spouse and the enemy in your life is not your parent who, who, who uh, didn't do a good job parenting you as a child. The enemy is not your kids. The enemy is not your coworker. You're like, you don't know my coworker. It doesn't matter. They're not your enemy. Like, your enemy is not any human, right? And the Bible tells us that we have an enemy. And, and, and our, our job is to get our headspace off of, like, fighting each other. And, and have, okay, we have a collective enemy. Let's have spiritual warfare. Let's really battle the things of the flesh. Let's really battle the things that are drawing us and making us look not like Christ, but, but fighting one another. And so who's watching out for you spiritually? I just want to encourage you. Like the church is built for this. The people that you're sitting around right now, this is why God is building what he's building. Because there's no other program where people are just watching out for you spiritually. Like the government doesn't care. I'm just going to be straight up, like not anti-government. I'm just telling you, like they don't care about your spiritual, like it's not a thing. Like school system, it's not, it's not that you can't have people in government or in the school system or at your work who aren't believers. It's just, I'm telling you, the church is the body of Christ globally. And the way that God works 
is that we together as the family of God have one another's back. Who has, who's watching your soul? Community is God's answer to defeat. This is Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You need some people in your life who can watch out for you. So I need people to walk with me, work with me, watch out for me. And I need others to wait and weep with me. Sometimes I just need people to have a ministry of presence in my life. And you do too. And if you haven't, you will. A moment where you don't need somebody who has all the answers. You don't need, you need someone to just show up. You need someone to just wait for you. When life feels broken and you've gotten bad news or lost a loved one or here's some examples of some things that people do alone that they should never do alone. Sitting in a hospital room during a risky surgery for a loved one, just sitting by themselves. That's not God's design. Waiting alone from news like your, your loved ones have served overseas. They're, they're on the battlefield. They're on the front lines. And you're waiting to hear back a report. You should have people who are praying for you, who know that, who are walking with you, who are going through that. Waiting alone to, with the coroner. Waiting alone at the graveside. Waiting alone. Like there's, there's hard things in life that you should not have to do by yourself. So who's committed to you? Who do you have in your life who is committed to you? Who do you have in your life that when you call them at 2 a.m., they pick up? Better question, who calls you at 2 a.m. and you pick up for them? So here's how you have people, here's how you have people who, will, who will answer your call at 2 a.m. You answer their call at 2 a.m., right? So it's like, who, who, who are you committed to? Who, who's your group of people that you've just decided, God's called me to this group of people and I'm committed to this group? This is 1 Peter 3, 8. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. And, and, and the reality is, is that you and I can't do all. Of, it's overwhelming. The need is overwhelming. If, if you look at work and family and church and all the things and the ideas, how do we accomplish this? We can only accomplish this together. So it, the whole idea is like, hey, let me, do, let me do what I feel like God's called me to do. What's the spirit of God asking me to do? I cannot meet everybody's needs. I can't meet with everybody. I can't pray with everybody. You can't either. You can't meet all the needs of the people around in your life. And it's like we can't do all the things all the time. But like I can do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. I can meet that individual. I can, again, the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly, hey, that's, in your, that's your care. That's your span of care. That's your core. You need to show up for those people. You need to be there in that space. And again, let's break it down in such a way so that as we grow as a church, large gatherings, we're also, while we're gathering wide, we're gathering deep. There's people that you're breaking bread with, you're sharing life with. Here's what we're praying for. Here's what we're going through. And there's a, there's a core of people that regardless of what else is going on, they know what you need. They know they can show up and they can be about it. I need others to wait and weep with me. When we lost our daughter back in 21, summer of 21, uh, the, the thing that, the, what I remember about that moment is just how much church family rallied, how many people loved on us, but in particular, how our group family, people who we had been in group with, rallied. People who we had shared like that kitchen island with, that living room with, people that we had gone through things with are the people that showed up in our lives the most. We moved. When we moved, you know who showed up to help us move? group. Like people who help 
go through hard things. Right now, I'm thinking about there's a, there's a family uh, in our church right now. Uh, there's, there's someone in the hospital. And as they've been in the hospital, the people that have brought meals, the people that have called, the people that have showed up, the people that have cared is their group. And, and if you feel like you're lonely, you feel isolated, or you feel like nobody cares, it's probably because you're by yourself, spiritually speaking. I'm not saying you're not around other people. I'm saying you need people who are pursuing Jesus, who love him and who love you and who are wanting to walk alongside of you. First Corinthians 12, 26 says this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. This is what it looks like to have others weep and, and, and wait with me. Bible says mourn with those who mourn. Who's in your corner? Who's willing to sit down and just mourn when it's time to mourn and just sit with you and just wait? Uh, Community is God's answer to despair. It's God's answer to despair. Anytime I've ever felt uh, depressed or anxious or lonely or fearful or far gone, it's always been, matter of fact, the most broken seasons of my life, what God used to remind me of his grace and his goodness and his faithfulness to me were other people who said, come here. I got you. So I need others to wait, but I also need, here's the last one. I need others to witness with me. So I need people who are willing to just walk through life with me. Let's do life and faith together. Hey, would you, would you work it out with me too? I have a purpose. You have a purpose. They're all different. I need people who can watch my back. I have a blind spot. I don't know everything that there is to know. I need people who need to wait for me as life gets hard, but also need people who can witness with me. This is John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. One of the best tools of evangelism in your life is just loving well your church family. Loving well the people in your core this group of friends who are following the way of Jesus, the Bible tells us, hey, people are going to notice how you treat one another. And then they're going to want in on, on they're going to want in on that kind of love. They're going to want in on that kind of care because they don't get it anywhere else. Because, again, there's no other program built for it. Nobody else is coming. Jesus leaves and he says, I'm going to hand the baton. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to have people experience salvation and freedom and fullness of joy. Here's how I'm going to do it through you. Nobody else is coming. You're somebody else's answer to prayer. You're somebody else's need when it, when it comes to being connected to the body of Christ. There's people who are literally every single day you're coming in contact with them. And the way that they're ever going to get close to Jesus is you. <laughs> and, and so we're called as a community of faith to witness to people. This is Philippians 1, 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Ooh, there's a lot there. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The whole idea is that community is God's answer to the lost. I'm going to finish how I began which is I want you to stop and think real quick about your connection to what God's doing, your reason for being here today, how you got here. What's your story? How'd you come to know Jesus? And I just wanted you to think about the people involved in that. 
be your parents, be a buddy in the locker room, friend at work, whatever the case may be. It's different for every single one of us. Different ages, different experiences, but it was somebody who got you and they wouldn't let go. And then he calls us into the same work. Jesus says, I'm going to leave and here's your job. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything that I've taught you. I'm going to empower you with my spirit, Jesus says. And so I'm going to do things in you that only I can accomplish. But here's what you got to do. You got to do it together. You can't do it by yourself. And, And you can't just go through the rhythm of, you know. Jesus didn't say, okay. He said, I'm going to leave. Here's what I need you to do. I, I really want you to attend that, that conference. I, that Bethmore Bible study, you got to hit that Bethmore Bible study. Got to do it. Perfect attendance in church. You got to hit that one year, but like obligate yourself to all the religious things that we sometimes do. He says, no, no, no. I want you to make disciples. Here's how you're going to grow your faith in me. Live your faith out together. Actually pray and trust me as you do it together. And I'm going to do things. I'm going to do miraculous things in your presence. I'm going to give yourself. You're going to have witnesses of like crazy things that I'm doing in your life. And it's only going to build and serve your faith. And you're going to make more disciples as a result of loving one another, navigating hard things together, having each other's back, waiting on one another, witnessing together. When Jesus sends out the disciples to share the gospel, he never sends them out alone. Ever. And the first thing that he does when he comes to earth When he starts his earthly ministry, it's time. It's game time. We have a three-year period from the start of my ministry to the cross. What do I do? He builds a group. (laughs) He's like, this is how I'm going to change the world. Twelve. There's about 20,000 people in a field sometimes while Jesus is talking. You know how many people are in the upper room? 120. Ain't big. And he's like, I'm about to to mess everybody up with you and you. And y'all about to send you out in groups in pairs and you're going to go start churches over here and you're going to start ministries over here and you're going to resource over here and again he's equipped you on purpose and for a purpose you don't have to make it up you just have to you just have to know what it is god why am i here and and, and a huge part of that is just the people around you so I want, I want you to pray and think on that today as we close like what what's my part to play holy spirit what do you want me to do when it comes to building co- biblical community Is anybody watching out for my soul? Or, just as important, if not more, am I watching out for anybody else's? Because I've been doing this thing. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I've been in all the things. I've been in, I mean, I've been in all the things. But is there anybody that I'm really walking with, learning to follow you with, sharing what you have for me? Just think on that today as we close. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this message that we need one another. Thank you for this reminder that you're for us and that you're good. And um, really just for the felt need in this season, Lord, that you desire for us to just become more like Jesus. And the way that we do that, the way that we're going to become more like Christ is together. That none of us have arrived and none of us... um, look like you, Jesus. And so it's going to take all of us 
collectively to grow and mature and become more like you. God, thank you for your word that brings us a real unity. And thank you for who you are. Your promises, your character on display in your word that do not change. Even when our circumstances do or our feelings or our desires do, you don't change. And so that we can build an uncommon unity on you, Jesus, is so special. Thank you for a word that doesn't move, that doesn't shift, that, that speaks into every relationship, every piece of brokenness in our life, every, op, every place that we need deliverance, every place that we definitely need direction for our lives and purpose and, and just to feel fulfillment. Thank you so much for the gift of that. And God, also thank you for the gift of one another. We often neglect it. A lot of times we're not grateful for it. Many times we try to avoid it, but I need others. We need each other. And I'm only, I'm only going to become the man of God you want me to become, the husband you want me to become, the parent you want me to become, the leader you want me to become because of other people. Would you humble me? Help me to focus, get the attention off of myself and onto others. Figure out what I can do to serve others. Also figure out what I can do to invite others into my life, to speak into it. I need people to walk alongside of. God, would you grow us in this season? Holy Spirit, would you build, would you build and just activate what's already there? So many groups, so many people who gather. Help people to realize I have the gift of hospitality or I have the gift of leadership or I have the gift to teach or I have this rich experience in following Jesus. What am I doing to care for other people's souls with what I know about, God, what you've done for my life. And help us, God, to bring real great depth to what we're doing as a church family so that we can reach further, so that we can reach more, so that we can love and build your church, your kingdom. If you're here today and you've never experienced a moment where you finally surrendered your life to Jesus, but today, listen, the moment of salvation is when you realize who Jesus is and what you need in relationship to who Jesus is. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need a savior. I've been carrying around things I can't handle in my own strength. Jesus, I see you. I see your life, your death, your resurrection, and my future hope of eternity rests in that. Also, my future hope of now. And, and here's what's wild. Here's how much God loves you. If that's you and you're here today and you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, the way that you got here today was from the people around you. What brought you, what drew you near to Jesus were the people in your life to create a moment for you to encounter God so that you could surrender your life to him. So if you're here today and you would love to step into a relationship with Jesus, not doing religious things, not going through the motions, going all in. I'm talking about fully surrendering your life to Christ with all of our heads bowed. If that's you today, I would love to just lift your hand in the room and just say, that's me. I need that. I need a relationship with God. I need to surrender. I need to step into eternity. I need to know that I'm experiencing a real purpose and a call on my life. Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of going through the motions. I want real surrender, real transformation. God, do a work in me so that I can begin to do one on the people around us. I pray for miracles. God, I pray that you would lift my head and every single person in this room. Help us to, to know that you're for us, that you desire to do great things in and through us. And that you've done it in the past. God, you're doing it right now in this moment. And you're going to do it in the future. Give us over to a great faith. If you're here and you placed your faith in Jesus, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my, my yesterdays and my today and my tomorrow. 
all my relationships, all my God, all the things I have to steward and take care of. I just place all that in your hand, my time, my energy, my talents, my treasure, all the things. And you would you Lord over that? And would you lead me and give me just a boldness of conviction? God, grateful for what you're doing in the life of our church. Thankful for today. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus name I pray. Amen.